Hello and welcome to Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. Money. Mindset. I think that sounds alright. This podcast is brought to you by the book Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. It's the five-step method to getting money mindset. Getting more money into your pocket, more time in your day and less stress in your life. Get your copy today. You can pick it up on Amazon, in print, Kindle or Audible version. We also give away some free training with every book bought, which is automating your finances to get more me time so you have more time to do the things that you love with your with your day. Get your copy today. Today we're joined by Moira O'Neill, who is the Head of Personal Finance at Interactive Investing. So, wow, thanks so much for joining us today, Moira. Good morning. Ah. Hi. Hey, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate your time. So, we're going to give away as much value as possible today. So, we're going to cover what we're going to cover three things. So, we're going to cover essentially education around investing, how you at home can improve your investing, how you can get better value for money. We're going to cover what is a broker as well, essentially what is interactive investing, what is broker, what is a broker. We're going to cover that and also we're going to give away tips and kind of education. We're going to give it as much value as possible So stay right to the end because we're going to give away some real key insight into investing so you can get more money into your pocket, get more time in your day and reduce your stress and worry in your life. So thanks so much Moira. So personal finances, it was a big biggest worry to people um, between um, the estimated 5.3 million people in the UK were stressed and worried about their money. That's according to the Office of National Statistics. People getting next to nothing on interest from the bank and inflation is in rising incredibly fast. So spending power in people's back pocket is reducing. So if you could do one action, the person at home, if the person at home could do one action from listening to this podcast, what would that do to reduce your stress and worry? I think you need to start learning about how to make your money work harder for you. And one of the tried and trusted ways of doing that is to invest in the stock market. And to anyone who thinks, oh, that sounds really risky, um, I think I could lose all my money, I say to them, look at a very, very long term graph of the stock market, such as the FTSE All Share, which is the um, all the companies listed on the London Stock Exchange. And look how along the along those the years there have been lots of little bumps in the road, but some of those have been um, things which at the time seemed uh, complete crises, such as the global financial crisis, the tech uh, bust, even the 1939 um, Wall Street um, crash and um, over time the trend of the stock market has been up. Now there are never any guarantees with what you do with your money. If you keep it in the bank it's probably likely to lose its value over time um, and, and too many people are, are keeping a lot of their money in cash. I think it's really a uh, bit of a worrying trend, particularly among women who are really good at stashing away money on a regular basis, but they don't think enough about investing. And so I was really pleased actually when a group of my female friends who are in their 40s approached yeah. me and said, we'd really like to learn about this stuff. We're, think we're thinking about retirement now pretty seriously. It seems to be looming up in our, in our minds and we'd like to start learning about investing. 
the problem is where you, where you start that learning process because there's a whole host of information out there on the internet. There are uh, financial influencers on social media. There are things that are really capturing the public's imagination like cryptocurrency, yeah. um, like trading, like sort of super high risk um, tech stocks, um, yeah. all sorts of things. And, and um, you know, really investing is not necessarily something that's exciting it should really be something that's a bit boring yeah um i think lots of people say um you know it, it should be a bit like watching grass grow or yeah. paint dry you know <laughs> um uh, and, uh, so in my book, I say, if you want the fruits, you need the roots. I use the, I like the grass analogy. It's, I, I like to use kind of words, images or pictures. So I use the, the title of my book, if you want the fruits, you need the roots. So I like the grass analogy and it should be slow and think of it long term. So it's, the, you have to delay, what they call delay gratification, actually putting off today for, for tomorrow. And it's actually, uh, you raise a really good point about risk as well. So people think they're being really safe and they no, no one wants to take risks. No one wants to, even if you walk down the high street, you get in your car or you take a, you, a plane, this, this is all taking risks. There are certain risks in life and that's just, that's just life. But I think people, under, people don't understand that keeping your money in cash is actually, all, all your money in cash is actually super risky. It's really risky because you've only got one asset class that you're, that you're using and it's actually being eroded by inflation. So the point about risk is really, really relevant and really important and actually it's less risky believe it or not you'd say about the long term it's actually risk less risky by investing in a number of different assets like the businesses that like stock market your property or keeping some money in reserves and that's that's yeah, a really good point so coming on to the next one so, so you mentioned it briefly but tell me more about why is educating yourself so important about investing should, and why should the listener care about investing why tell me more about that well, I think a lot of people have tended to hand over their investment uh, decisions to a professional financial advisor or, yeah. or a wealth manager and yeah. felt that it's something that they can't do themselves. But in doing that, you're likely to incur a lot of fees. Yeah. And quite often, you know, unless you're like a, a multi-millionaire, if you're a pretty ordinary person trying to save prudently for your future, there are some very simple things that you can do with your money in terms of investing that are pretty easy to learn about yourself yep. and are pretty easy to implement without um, having to pay huge fees to a professional. Um, so I think it's it's really important that we get that message out that, that you can do this stuff yourself. The government yep. provides two really great what are called tax wrappers to help you stash your money away for the future. Yep. And one is called the ISA, the Individual Savings Account. And the other is a pension. Yeah. Now, a lot of people don't think of a pension as investing, but it is. It's yeah. just really a wrapper that helps you save for retirement and stops you paying a huge amount of tax on the money you put into the pension. And, and, and so it's really the best thing you can do with your money is put it into a pension and stash it away until you're at least 55 and then you start getting the money out. Um, so I think, you know, use ISAs and pensions, yeah. first of all. And then research some very simple investment ideas. So if you look up the, something called a tracker fund, um, or which is also called a, a passive fund, yeah. they're usually very, very low cost. Um, they You can find ones that are 
really what's called highly diversified. So they spread your money among literally hundreds of investments for you. Just straight away, as soon as your money's invested, it's spread between lots and lots of different investments, which, which lowers your risk. And, and if you can just stash your money into something that is, is highly diversified and low cost um, and, and has, gives you exposure to not just the London Stock Exchange, but stock exchanges around the world. So um, the US stock market and um, you know, European ones. And, and um, then you will find that um, that's probably one of the best things you can do with your money. Exactly. And it's not difficult to learn about. Exactly. So that's super important. So you raised two really good points there. So first of all, tax wrappers. So that might be... You know, maybe people don't understand about there are many different types of ISAs and different types of pensions but essentially the way I think of it is like if you've got a cake you don't want um, anyone taking a big bite out of your your cake you might have baked this cake for many years all it is is like a box think of it like a box that's going to protect your cake from someone else coming and taking a big bite out of your your cake and that's the the bite uh, the, that's the, the analogy is the the government's going to take a big bite out of your your cake and you're going to have less to eat yourself so the the government want you to use these incentives the government want if you don't use these incentives the government's worried that people are going to be what they call pension poverty where people are going to arrive at 55 60 and not have enough money saved up that's going to pay for their when they're not working anymore so these tax incentives are just really like a box that's going to protect your investments around the government but taking a big chunk out of your your investments so the things you reduce do you reduce dividend i have, I have a friend um, neil who, yeah. who decided to invest in tesla because he okay. thought that's a great idea last last year yeah and um he, he you know he put quite a big chunk of money into that one yeah. company and it did really well for him and then he, he cashed in. Yeah. But as a result, he ended up paying capital gains tax yeah. on the gain in his investments because he hadn't put it into an ISA yeah. and into the savings account wrapper. If he just opened up an ISA and then bought Tesla within the ISA, yeah. he wouldn't have had to pay tax on the gain. Exactly. Yeah, I've been investing into an ISA every year for the last 15 years. So it's been a great and it's less hassle as well. So it's you get all the if once you do get these capital gain, if you 15 years time, imagine you get um, this, you want to sell your shares, you're going to have a real tax, uh, you're going to have a real paperwork problem as well. It's a bit of a faff to actually work out when did I buy these shares? When did I sell these shares? And you're like, ah, oh. and then you have to go and spend money on a financial advisor or a accountant to work this out for you if you actually put it into a tax wrapper initially it saves you so much hassle so much paperwork as well which can be a bit of a you've people we're all busy these days we don't want to have to spend our weekends working out our tax bill we if just by doing simple things today can save our future self a lot of hassle and worry and money as well money in your pockets these are yeah super super important things to do so yeah you let's move that's and uh, and the other point I was going to make you to to raise that you that you mentioned. Sorry, I'm going to pick up on a point you raised is diversification, which is maybe a big scary word, but essentially it's having um, yeah lots of different companies. So the great exciting thing is you at home you can be an owner of all these businesses from around the world, and as you're sleeping, these businesses are out working for you. So every time someone buys a product or service part of that those profits are going to go into your pocket which is really exciting and you don't have to buy one use a tether example which is really it, you can picture that in your mind that everyone's probably heard of elon musk and tesla but the challenge behind that if you're buying one company that's increasing your risk you want to spread you can buy hundreds and thousands of these companies if 
say for instance Elon Musk comes out tomorrow and says something really silly or writes on Twitter something which could affect the Twitter Tesla share price this is going to affect your money if you buy hundreds of different companies it reduces your risk yes definitely diversification is the way to go and you don't have you know you can do it straight away by investing in a tracker fund or even yeah. what's called an actively managed fund where the professional fund manager tries to uh, beat the stock market on your behalf yeah. and perform better than yeah. the average but um you know you can do it yourself by buying, you know, uh, about 20 different uh, shares, so 20 different companies, which would spread your risk nicely. Um, some people buy more than that. Some people are comfortable with, with less. Yeah. But, I mean, my personal preference for somebody who is really starting out is to go down the route of the fund. So the, the professionally managed fund that is that is highly diversified right from the get-go. So you yeah. literally got exposed to hundreds of companies straight away. Great. So Maura, you're the head of personal finances at Interactive Investor. So let's talk about brokers what and the role they play and how they can help people with their money. So I used to be a shipbroker, which I'm a chartered shipbroker, but that's my original profession. Twenty, I started out in the shipping industry in the kind of boom times in China when China was opening up, and I was be the middle person between these giant ships that would be three times the size of um, a football pitch. Imagine a football pitch or a hundred meter sprint. If you eat, um, Usain Bolt did a hundred meter sprint, imagine three of those in a row. That's the size of these giant ships. And I used to be, we used to have someone whose cargo that had all this. Um, either that was a com the commodity and we would have to that might be oil or wheat or it might be copper for instance and you have to connect these people with ships and they would move them all around the world so essentially a broker is the middle person between in this example it would be the middle person between ships a sh the ship owner and then someone who has the cargo this would be oil or wheat or copper for instance and essentially they're a middle person so the person at home might think the, the, the one they kind of know and trust or know, know about is uh, estate agents. So that would be a broker. So essentially they're the middle person between the person trying to sell their house and the person buying their house. And they take a commission from doing that. So you'd go, if you want to buy a house, you'd go on a website, a number of different websites you can use. And you can pick your house wherever you want to live. You're, that might be pick your location, pick your number of bedrooms, pick the, if you like a garden for instance, and then you, the, bro the, the broker or the estate agent would put you in touch with the homeowner and essentially you can do the same thing with shares so you have brokers which is the middle person between the person selling or buying the shares and then the, the other person who's or the person selling the shares for instance and then the person who wants to buy these shares so that's the the middle person who sits in the middle so talk more about interactive investor what you guys do as, as brokers and why brokers exist what you do as a broker and yeah tell me more about kind of the, the the process between the kind of the buying and selling okay so um i think the, the first image of a stockbroker is somebody who you call up on the telephone and ask to buy a certain share that you've seen in the financial times and they do that for you but um these days you can do everything at the push of a button on a website um and rather than stockbroker we tend to call ourselves investment platforms which are a big website on which you can buy literally hundreds uh, thousands of, of different types of investments in the stock market um, so there are some 
big investment platforms that are aimed at investors who want to do this by themselves. So they don't want to take advice on which investments to buy. And Interactive Investor is one of the leading uh, investment platforms. Um, the others are names like Hargreaves, Lansdowne, Fidelity, AJ Bell. Um, and you, you know, if you Google investment platforms, you'll come up with a list. Um, what we do is um, uh, enable um, you to buy those stocks, um, sorry, those, those shares in companies or the funds that I was talking about earlier and hold them in ISA uh, and pension tax wrappers. Or you can hold them in a, in a trade, just a trading account which doesn't have those tax advantages attached to them. And we also, um, which, is, which is common among investment platforms, give a whole host of tips and ideas and education around investing to help you make the decisions. But we do, what we don't do is give you personal advice. Now, the costs of investing have come down dramatically over, even in, in recent years. And, you know, investing isn't, isn't an expensive thing to do now. So um, you can either, um, I mean, on Interactive Investor, we charge $9.99 a month to be on the platform. And that will enable you to set up regular investments into funds, to buy and sell things and to take, you know, to read all our content, which is available to free, even if you're not a customer, so you could go and read it all and educate yourself anyway. Um, and, you know, it's all done at the push of the button. We have mobile apps now, you can do it from your mobile phone. Um, and importantly, you know, we are, we are not um, holding your money um, for us. You know, we are enabling you to create your own money and there are lots of safeguards around that so uh, the money that you know is held in a custodian protected accounts you know you don't there's no way we're going to run off with your money as a platform i think that's some some of the things people worry about they handing over their money and where's it going yeah you know it's there um, it's protected. We're, we're regulated businesses. Um, we're protected by something called the Financial uh, Services Compensation Scheme. Which, That's eighty-five thousand uh, pounds, isn't it? Where they essentially, if if a company goes bust, then the government yeah. will pay that up to will pay your money back up to eighty-five thousand pounds. There is a danger of if you've got more money than eighty-five thousand pounds, not to use one platform. So if you're listening at home thinking, "I've got loads. I've got more than eighty-five thousand pounds in my in one platform," you want to coming back to that diversification. You want to split your money between different platforms and essentially to protect you at home as an investor and as a listener. So different platforms have different priorities. So and they they're ways to make money. So ultimately brokers make their money when people buy and sell so there are a number of different platforms out there who I, I don't necessarily like they're a number who offer sometimes they say they offer free no commission or I don't want to name the platforms but they say they're not they're, they're, they say them they're free when actually a lot of their costs are hidden so a number of different I used to trade gas I used to trade commodities so I'd buy and sell gas every day and every time you buy and sell there's what is called slippage or essentially it's a difference between 
they call it the bid offer spread and so it's a difference between buy price and sell price and how brokers make their money or investing platforms make their money is essentially the difference between the buy and the sell price as well as some some platforms charge a fee uh, a flat fee others charge i used to work i used to be a financial advisor as well and we used to charge we used to give specific advice to the person and we just give regulated advice regulated by the financial conduct authority and we would charge an initial fee which was five percent which is kind of crazy when you think about it and then an ongoing fee which was 1.9 percent which the and if if anyone understands compound interest check out kind of the earlier podcast about compound interest these small fees add up hugely over five ten twenty years time these are like snowballs that are going to add up to you essentially they're going to eat away at your investment so yeah fees is another one we talked about diversification fees is another one check make sure you're not paying too much in the fees but it's also on the flip side i've talked to people about investing and they've gone for these kind of crazy low cost uh, platforms and they're basically terrible give a really bad service so there is a an argument for paying for good service as well so yeah that was that's my opinion on um investing platforms I've, I've been investing for 20 years i've used almost very uh, or had exposure to most investing platforms in the uk but maybe, maybe let's move away let's so you've written two personal finances book you've books uh, more you also published for the financial times which is incredible i've read some of your articles which were amazing so two of your personal finances books were finance at 40 and saving and investing for children. So this podcast is called Millennial Money Mindset and the aim of it is to help educate and inspire people for better investing. So millennials are between 25 and 40. So the millennials have grown up. We're, we're kind of, we're, we're turning into adults. I remember I was pitch, pitching my book to publishers in 2018 and I, I sent my book to people to, I had an agent and um, a publisher and they kind of said, shouldn't you be telling them to kind of, cook baked beans for dinner or kind of these student really bad student kind of put pennies into um into a jar and actually no we we actually need some we've kind of grown up we're we're kind of older than people expect we are now so so i'm a millennial i'm kind of clinging on for dear life i'm going to turn 40 next year i consider myself kind of the top end of millennials so maybe some tips you'd recommend for someone turning 40 to improve their personal finances because it's very different Age is very different for your strategy on investing. Someone older, if you're in your 70s, you're going to have a very different strategy than someone you're 25. So maybe talk through your book and maybe give some tips for someone turning 40 to improve their personal finances. I think probably somebody who's, who's the, of that age will might need to do a bit of housekeeping to start off. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I think what's really important for us is, is to know what we have, where it is, and to get that sort of holistic view of our finances, and it is quite difficult to do it. You know, if you if you're approaching forty, you may you may have clocked up a few jobs. You may have had a little bit of pension here, there, and everywhere. You might have dabbled in investing at some point. You may be on the the housing ladder. Um, you may have some savings in the bank. You probably have some debt as well. And it's sort of really to put put it all in one place, even if it's just. Um, on a Word doc or an Excel spreadsheet, you know, yeah. just just make sure you know what you have and where it is, and then you can get you can start to organise it. So I think it's it's important sometimes just you know if we've got a a few 
dregs of little pension schemes here, there and everywhere to consolidate them into one pot because yeah. then it's easier to manage and it's easier to start investing and you can start to lower your costs as well. And also to to think, you know, it's it's not, you know, 40 may seem old, but actually in investment terms, you've got a long way to go. You've got at least 20 years to retirement age. And then, you know, investing doesn't stop now when you reach retirement. We're in an, we're in an era of pension freedoms where you can carry on investing your money um, in, into retirement and, and, and beyond. So I think, you know, you've got a long time ahead of you and you can think, really in you know in the mindset of a long-term investor which means you can still take on quite a lot of risk because you've got time to weather any bumps along the way in the stock market i think it's very important for people to realize that they're going to be in it for the long haul um so what else can you do at 40 um you can make sure that you are using those tax wrappers we mentioned yeah. earlier the ices and the pensions you can pay off any expensive debts because no, um, I mean it's fine to invest while you've got something like a, you know a mortgage on your house, which is. But I, I think you know if you've got credit cards and and uh, high interest loans, then really I would think about paying those off before you start. Yeah, seriously. credit cards are dangerous for your long term wealth. It's um, one of the best things to do is clear your credit cards, not just for your wealth long term, but also for your mental health. I, I've had so many clients come to me. The, the, the clients who are the most stressed about their money are the ones who are in debt, the deep debt of consumer debt. They've gone out, maybe spent money on cars, TVs. We're bombarded by adverts, and it's really easy to fall into this trap of buying things and not realising. We think it's almost free money. We get this kind of credit card, we're pre-approved, and you get £3,000. Three it seems like we can just spend it, and there's a kind of... A psychology thing where we if we've got three thousand sit, pounds sitting on a, a credit card we're almost if we're going out shopping we're almost thinking oh we can just doesn't matter if we can buy it here because we're here at this moment and we don't think about that long term that kind of instant gratification so i'm a big believer in reducing your credit card debt because there's no point investing at eight percent nine percent if you're paying twenty percent on a credit card it, it doesn't make math you look at the mathematics it doesn't necessarily make makes sense you raise really good points there yeah i mean i think the other thing is people really want at this stage to be thinking about if they have children their their, their kids and you know providing for them but i think what's really important is to make sure your own stuff is sorted first yeah um you know to make sure that you know, if you have an ISA, you know, if you have an ISA, I mean, there's a fairly generous annual allowance for ISA investing. Yeah. You've got, you've got £20,000 a year allowance. For most people, that's more than enough um, for an investment allowance. Yeah. And I would, you know, that money you can take out at any point to use for your kids. So I wouldn't think about taking out specialist children's savings. I would... Yeah. Um, I would basically use an ISA yourself and then flex it when you think your kids need the money. Yeah. Um, and, back. and also, you know, don't prioritise the, the kids over yourself. You know, if if you have no pension provision at forty, uh, and and your but your kids are wanting the latest gadgets and the late and, and fancy holidays and things that their kids, you know 
I think, you know, you've got to start thinking about yourself and your own future. Yeah. And how rain, rain back the spending on the kids. I mean, I, women in particular always want to just give their children everything. And I'm stereotyping here. Of course, dads want to do it too. But I, I think it's a... It is a. It is more prevalent among women to just sacrifice everything for the kids. I mean, we give up careers to look after kids. We, you know, we give up. We, we therefore give up any money that we that comes in goes to the kids. And you know, children aren't going to thank you for that. If you bring them up in a lifestyle that they can't maintain as an adult, that's not a great way. You know, setting money habits and, and frugal stuff with your kids is really important from a, from an early age to teach them about saving and investing and about not spending excess money on things that they don't necessarily need um i think you know we've got to think carefully and you know teach them about you've got to have enough money for retirement they won't want they won't want to see you struggling when you're in your 60s and 70s and 80s you yeah. know that kind of stuff they're great conversations to have at home. Yeah. Um, we don't talk about money in a, at home. Exactly, in the family. Yeah. And I think it's brilliant to just raise those kinds of issues, talk about, you know, how, you know higher education, if, you, if your kids are going to do that, you know, are they going to, you know, pay for, how are they going to pay for university? We've got to think about that kind of thing. We think it's really important that we save for you so you can go and that kind of thing. So, um, you know... I just can't emphasize that enough. You know, yeah. you've got to stop prioritizing your own finances. No, I agree. It's a difficult one. It's a really difficult one because we all want the best for our children. It's it's natural. We want them to do well, and we want, and with that, it leads to we want to spend money on them. But it's yeah, totally. I totally agree with you that you actually need to look after yourself before you can help your children. The analogy that I use often with my clients is. If you're on an aeroplane, they always tell you to put your own mask on before you help others, which is maybe a bit of a crude analogy. But it's if you are not self-reliant, financially self-reliant yourself when you're in your 60s, your 70s, and then you don't want to have to go to your kid's house to ask them for money at the time. If you are I, I the ultimate goal for myself and my clients is to become financially independent. And then you're more, you're much stronger in a much stronger position. You're actually, you have a confidence and a, a kind of a stability of kind of a rock that you can actually go and help. You can actually gift your money to to your children then. And there's also tax benefits of that. There's an if kind of the higher net worth individuals, you can get inheritance tax if you gift children that you can save up to forty percent on on that. And so. It's, I think it's better to look after yourself first and then help your children. But it's easier said than done. We all, I'm a parent myself, and you want the best for your children. And you want, but I think some of the best things you can do is to teach them, you mentioned habits, teach them good habits. So I talk about the importance of saving. We have a piggy bank and build up those habits over time. And the great thing about children is they have time. They, they have time to invest and invest the game of investing is about time it's it's about time in the market not the old adage time in the market rather than trying to time the market so if you pay if you help your kids have pocket money and save they can they're in it for the long term they can build up that compound interest over over time and it's about building up good habits um so yeah you raised some good points there what so ah sorry go on 
So I don't know if we've mentioned up till now the importance of having the cash emergency fund as a family. Yes, a good, whether good point. Have, whether you have um, kids or not. I mean, having three to six months, um, you know, outgoing stashed in the bank yeah in in as high interest as you can get you won't get high interest these days yeah but having that somewhere safe i mean my own one is in premium bonds because i know you can't get interest elsewhere and i like the thought of you know being able to win tax-free prizes from it and who knows maybe i'll win the jackpot (laughs) they're actually yeah (laughs) i think you know it's 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 a good thing to have as a security blanket for your family and it makes you feel um more relaxed about money in general yeah i have to say last year we did a house renovation and there was a period when our family um was you know we were putting pumping so much money into renovating the house that we didn't have a cash emergency fund at yeah. one point and for me that just felt really stressful yeah like i went through a four month period of having no no savings in the bank and i really didn't like it i just i just like to sleep well at night and know that if anything went wrong there's something there as a bit of a a nest egg exactly no i agree it's so i have a five-step method to money mindset so money mindset where you're you're not stressed or worried about money and that's Having an, an emergency fund is step three of money mindset where you're not stressed and worried. And it comes back to having that confidence and the self, self-reliance self on not having to worry about other, you having to go to other people to worry about money or taking out more credit cards because you don't have that, that cash buffer. And I had the same thing. I bought a house recently and had to go in. I had premium bond and I had to get money out from, well, I chose to get money out from premium bonds. It was actually re- really easy to get, to get that money out. I've put money in other places and other platforms and it was really difficult to get some of the money out because they make it, these platforms, some other platforms don't want your, you to take their money out. So they make it as tricky as possible. Sometimes it takes two or three days to come through. So yeah, having money in a savings account or premium bonds or um, yeah, so kind of a long-term savings plan is is super important. It's kind of step three of my five-step method to money mindset. So moving on, tell me kind of it's an aha moment about with investing. So I think about an aha moment when you're kind of real. There's a realization. You're like, ah, oh, that makes so much sense. Or why didn't I think of that before? And maybe yeah, tell tell me more about that and how you could that might help the person listening at home. I think it's been a bit different for me because I've had a career as a personal finance journalist, so yeah. I mean, it's been my job to learn about this stuff. But yeah. my own aha moment was when I first learned about something called investment trusts, okay. which are a type of, of long-term investment fund yeah. that um, has been around literally for more than 150 years. Yeah. They were the original what's called collective investment fund yeah. back in Victorian times and there, there are a few hundred of them and they um, are like investing in companies that that have a business which is just to invest your money yeah. and they're listed on the stock market and a lot of them have very good long-term performance Okay, um, and they are managed by um, some some brilliant managers out there and I think they're a very specific type of investment but if you're really putting your money away 
for the long term, which, yeah. you know, most of us are. We're investing for 30, 40 years at least, yeah. even if you are approaching 40, then they can make a really good option. And, um, you know, past, we always say past performance is no guarantee to the to future yeah. <laughs> returns. But, you know, also it's the only thing we have to go on. You know, to yeah. Look at how trusts are an interesting one. I think... They have performed well, investment trust. And I think if you're going to learn about something that's, you know, has proved its worth over time, it would be good to just educate yourself about those. Yeah, they're an interesting one. You can do a lot of clever things with trust. You can, especially talking about intergenerational wealth, there's a lot of things you can use a trust for. The way I think about trust, essentially they're like... Um, oh, wait, these, a, are, these aren't actually, um, tr- these aren't actually trusts in that sense. Okay. Um, they are really, fu- you know, just just investment funds okay. that are listed on the stock market. There's no fancy tax advantages attached to them. Okay. Um, uh, but they they're also called investment companies. I think that's the more modern okay. name for them. Um, and there's something called the Association of Investment Companies that has a lot of information about them. Yeah. On, on its website, so I think that's a good place to learn. But you know, it's it, they're really a, a, a type of fund. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, you, you, can, you can do some, you can do tax planning as well. That's yeah. The I, I think. Well, the trust. I'm thinking they're more like a, a treasure chest. Is the way I explain to. Or I used to explain to clients when they were using kind of trusts. And yeah, the more. But the, the downside, I guess, the more complex it is, they tend to charge more for these products. I don't know what what kind of charges do they. What do, what do they cost people? Uh, investment trust no no more than other types of funds investment funds but you're paying for a manager right right so you're not you, you pay, it, you're paying for the for the fund management but some of them have pretty low charges on them okay um the, th- the great thing about an um an investment trust is it's it has a um, an independent board so it's managed like a, a company that's listed on the stock market has an independent board yeah. and make sure that the fund manager is doing their job well okay and oversees that and you know there are shareholder. you know if you invest in it you are a shareholder in the trust yeah so you have certain rights and you can you can vote on um you know certain things that the, the trust does you know as a shareholder um and the just the, the structure and the governance, I, I really like. You know, you could, um, and also because they are companies, they can they can borrow to invest. If they, yeah, I was going to say. So it sounds exactly like a trust. What you're saying, what I was explaining before, it is exactly a trust. So yeah, the one of the pluses is that they can borrow to invest. So you might be investing in a, um, a commercial property, and they can actually borrow from the bank to buy this commercial property, and then they can essentially use that as leverage for their returns but let's move on for uh, for trust so what um essentially what's been well I've, I've, you mentioned about voting as well that's quite an interesting one we that maybe t- talk about that um but i'm mindful of time as well so um yeah maybe what's been your greatest investment and why <laughs> well i was i was looking at my um my portfolio recently and actually it's something really simple <laughs> it's something called the vanguard life strategy okay uh, 100% equity fund which is a tracker fund yeah it's 
It's, it's highly diversified and it's performed very well. And uh, Vanguard funds have, have done well for investors. Yeah. Um, and on the Interact Investor platform, they're very popular yeah. um, for all of those reasons. But you know, I, I think it's just, in, and I hold a lot of investment trusts, but that, that Vanguard track. Yeah, they've done really well. I, I hold uh, Vanguard as well for, for full disclosure. But, um, yeah, I know a lot of people who talk a lot about Vanguard and they're very. Um, you, you get these, they call them bogleheads, which uh, the guy who set out was Jack Bogle, oh, Bogleheads maybe, but who was Jack Bogle. And essentially his, he was the first person to start index trackers. We mentioned right at the start about index trackers, which don't use fund managers. So these Vanguard funds have done really well. And the good thing about Vanguard is they don't necessarily promote or advertise so which is almost like a downside for them because not a lot of people know about them whereas some of the platforms that i that you shouldn't be investing in some of the bad ones that i was talking about before or the ones that i don't necessarily like that they consistently advertise on if you ever go on youtube i always get these ones saying i should be taking out these kind of high risk strategies and these are the the ones that are advertising to you are not necessarily the the platforms that that you should necessarily um, go after, if that makes sense. One of the downsides of Vanguard, though, it's very heavily, I, I, to give a balanced view, I do like it generally, and I've spoke to clients about it. And one of the downsides, the US market has done incredibly well. And if you know anything about, kind of look at how Netflix, uh, Tesla we mentioned before, uh, Google, Amazon, uh, Apple, all these have done incredibly well, especially through the uh, coronavirus. And is that going to continue? There was um, a report by Money Week, uh, an article by Money Week saying <clears throat> that they've done really well. And because they've been heavily invested in these um, tech stocks. So maybe that's way to so, yeah, that might be a great investment for you. And I, I personally have also benefited from that. But I just want to give a balanced view for the listener at home that maybe it's not always one solution. There's no pill that you can take that's going to solve all your problems. Coming back to your original point, I think you made it really really well it's education so education and i'd add on to that experience as well it's actually being in the market so there's one thing actually you know educating yourself reading a book but it's another thing actually having that fear when the market crashes so yesterday as we talked bitcoin crashed <laughs> quite a lot but this is by understanding if you look if you've been in bitcoin i've been in bitcoin for or cryptocurrency i've got a balanced portfolio of cryptocurrency i'm a big um, fan of that and check out the other podcasts previously we've had um, the, the first author of um, a bitcoin published book uh, Dominic Frisbee on one of our podcasts so we've talked about it a lot before but it's about having that experience if you are in the market and the price crashes then you're going to have this fight or flight um, kind of chemical going to get released and until you've actually experienced that you might not necessarily understand what that's happening to you so when I was trading gas we used to have incredible a lot of kind of volatility if you look at the gas price it's very volatile and until you have that experience you might not necessarily understand what is happening in the market and for for me that's why myself i help people be make better decisions with their money i'm a money coach i don't charge um we're impartial we don't have um we're not owned by any corporations we're not owned by um any platforms we are totally impartial for the person who we, we give we educate inspire and money coach better investing so that's essentially what what we we fit into that niche we're not we're not necessarily financial advisors we're not platforms we're not solicitors we're not uh, accountants we're different we educate inspire and money coach better investing 
So really, mind. Thanks so much, Moira, for joining us. I'm mindful of your time because um, um, just coming to the end of the, the podcast. So thanks so much for joining us. Before you go, um, just maybe tell any any books you'd recommend anyone or any quotes or anything funny you've heard recently. Okay. Well, I mean, there are so many you know weighty investment tomes you could read. <laughs> To get started but um, the one I'm trying to get my own teenage children to read at the moment is Rich Dad Poor Dad. Okay I love Rich Dad Poor Dad. Kiyosaki yeah it, it teaches how to make money work for you. It's yeah. very straight talking and yeah. it's written in a really accessible way and I think that is hard for a lot of investment writers to do. <laughs> so yeah. I know I think for, for a beginner that is the book I would recommend. And, exactly. And it, 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 it's, it, he tells lots of anecdotes. He makes it um, sort of engaging and, and friendly, you know, so and there's lots of great messages in that book and, and it's very, very educational. Brilliant. Um, and you mentioned the, the, the fight or flight sort of emotional reactions that we have to investing. I think they're, they're ingrained into us and we have to be very conscious that there's a lot of noise about it and you may read stuff or hear people saying things about investing yeah. and really you have to stick in with it for the long term and my favorite exactly. quote on this is from Warren Buffett who is um, a, a US guru of investing um, he's, 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 he's a pretty old guy now but he's he's always given out pithy quotes throughout his investing career and he said it's wise for investors to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful but to do Brilliant. the opposite what you hear yeah and i think when you feel always feel like oh my investments are going horribly wrong yeah. feels, i should sell up think about that turn to that quote it you know it may feel like a bad time but yeah. the markets are likely to come back yeah exactly um, if you look at this um during the coronavirus if you look at the stock markets kind of came off massively if you just stuck with it and kind of rode out those ups and downs, you'd be in a much better today than we have this fear that kind of kicks in that makes us want to take action. And sometimes we want to sell and get out to re reduce our the fear we're, we're feeling. But just one other thing. Um, yeah, I, the great book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. I think it's so good they should teach it in schools. I'm a huge fan of Robert Kiyosaki. I actually once went to one of his investing accelerators. Um, it was like a two-day training course. and They taught me how to invest and trade and that was that was probably one of i was thinking about this the other day it's probably one of the best investments i've made because from the money i've made from learning about that is it's huge i almost go as far to say he should be win a nobel prize because it's changed economics massively compared to uh, I, I even i'm a big robert kiyosaki fan i in my introduction to my book millennial money mindset if you want the fruit you need the roots the story i tell is about when I was 18, I lose all my money um, that I saved up when I worked as an, uh, I was working as an ice cream shop during my kind of school holidays. And I bought lastminute.com, the company, and the irony of the name was lost to me at the time. And then I read, I took the eight pounds, that was an hour that I worked um, during that summer uh, job. And I bought a copy of Rich Dad Poor Dad. And that was 25 or 20 years ago so yeah i would highly recommend anyone read that book and it's real simple and it's a story as well he talks about his rich dad and his poor dad and it's coming back to mindset so he talks about his how he thinks around money and this podcast called millennial money mindset is how we think about money and if you really want a really good book i would say his second book it's the guide to investing is actually even more if you think 
the first book kind of was good the second book's going to blow your mind because it's yeah it is amazing so yeah so thank you uh moira i know thank you so much for joining us i really appreciate your time you've given away massive amounts of value so i really appreciate that and if someone wants more information about you interactive investor where can they come to find it so our website is ii.co.uk and you can find us on all the major social media platforms interactive investor is there on facebook instagram twitter linkedin and um, you can find me active on social media too so at moira o'neill um on twitter and instagram and um hopefully you know come to our website and learn about investing because we have a knowledge center with loads of simple guides there and it's free to access you don't have to be a customer brilliant um, we just think it's really important to educate people about investing Fantastic. That's been brilliant. Thanks so much for joining us. And yeah, this has been Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruit, you need the roots. Please like, please subscribe and please tell a friend about this podcast. Thanks so much. This podcast is brought to you by the book Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruit, you need the roots. It's the five step method to getting money mindset, getting more money into your pocket, more time in your day and less stress in your life. Get your copy today. You can pick it up on Amazon in print, Kindle or Audible version. We also give away some free training with every book bought, which is automating your finances to get more me time. So you have more time to do the things that you love with your with your day. Get your copy today. Money. Mindset. I think that sounds alright.